Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Michael Wagner, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells, goddammit. He certainly is. And this is, uh, this is another Metal Tales from the Road we're doing. Is if, if you haven't listened to the first one uh, of the, my conversation, um, well, guess what? Here's number two, and uh, we're dropping all these on you on a, a beautiful Monday, wherever you are in the world. It's true. It is a beautiful Monday in the world, even though it's not that day yet for us. But Clint and I have been fortunate enough to uh, have the ability to tell the future, and it's looking like a pretty good Monday. Let me tell you what Poughkeepsie, New York is like right now. And we were in Buffalo a few days ago, too. Um, real cold, real depressing, real gray, real salty, real shitty. Mm. Well, let me tell you about Savannah, Georgia. Um, real blue, um, about 72 degrees. And, God, um, really? It's real nice down here. And uh, I, had, I, I didn't even realize that this is where they filmed Forrest Gump. Yeah. So I may have to go sit on the bench and like you know give someone some damn chocolate or something. Well, if you if you need to go visit Jenny, you need to make sure you get the number nine bus. Oh, that's right. I see. I was looking for the number eight. Yeah. Shoot. Well, good okay. luck. I'm gonna go see Jenny. L- Lieutenant Dan's on the guest list tonight, though, which is nice. <laughs> that's good, dude. So I ruined your New Year's Eve party, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> she tasted like cigarettes. <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time, amazingly, somehow you've probably thought you've made a huge mistake. We're an all Metallica podcast. These are typically bonus episodes. However, Ethan and I are professional touring musicians, and sometimes we're in different parts of the world. Sometimes I'm in a gray, hellish, dystopian, nightmarish uh, snow globe of terror, and while Ethan's in Savannah, Georgia, fucking riding the goddamn waves of St. Simon's <laughs> Island. And uh, we weren't able to put an episode together, so we figured we'd drop all these on you at once. We're going to be talking right. with our friend and patron, Joey Ursick, about the Wichita, Kansas show. Now, Joey is a friend of the show, you will all know, who got us the 10 Prince Hakeem Funko Pop dolls. Yes, and I'm actually going to be hanging with Joey in Wichita when I'm playing there in the, the coming weeks. Awesome. Well, Joey's a super cool dude. He's a program director for a radio station in Kansas, and... Uh, He's a sharp cat, knows a lot about music, and uh, we had a really great conversation. One of the coolest things that is becoming uh, apparent through the Metal Tales is that uh, the Saravan, with our good friend Sarah Sobek, is becoming quite the inner circle Metallica celebrity. because It is. He found her via her yellow bandana and was able to identify her and the Saravan, and then able to identify himself as the guy who got us the Prince Akeem doll. So we're just stitching together a little ragtag, ragamuffin team of Metallica nerds out there, aren't we? Oh, we've got a very special crew that has formed over the last, not only a few weeks, but two years, of course. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're in the business of bringing people together. That's really what it is. We're in the business of world peace and harmony and crap wing toilet jingles, basically. Exactly. 
Is that, you know, is that too much to, to put out in the world? I think not. So here's the deal. If you like the show, go leave a review on iTunes. It's super fucking easy to do. It only takes a second. It's the easiest way to show your support for the show. Tell your buddies, if you got a blog or a vlog or a Snapchat or a Tinder or a or Grindr a Zanga, or a Zanga. Live journal. Whatever you have. If you or mention, a damn GeoCity site. Yeah, totally. Or maybe if you can put us in your top eight of MySpace. Just sharing uh, the show with people is another way to support the show that's super easy. If you like the show a lot, you can go to Patreon, five bucks a month, basically two cups of coffee a month, and uh, you can support us, be part of what's cool about the show. It costs money and time to make it uh, to make content like this, t-shirts and merch and web hosting and the EPs we put together. We pay for mixing and mastering and artwork, all that stuff. We try to put as much back of it into the show as possible. You'll hear about it later, how to get involved. MetalUpYourPodcast.com. We're on all the socials. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Tinder. By the way, Spotify is currently suing songwriters to yep. further ensure that the people who bring you the music you love uh, cannot make money from it. So, yeah, it's pretty. pretty I no pretty longer neat, even huh? want. I no longer even want to mention that we're on Spotify. Right. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to look I'm, into having this taken off of it. Actually, I'm. I, I'm actually uh, about ninety nine percent. Sure, I'm going to go ahead and take my music off Spotify. So I apologize if you're a listener of my music on Spotify. Don't it's apologize. personal. Don't apologize. Well, it's not, listen, it's nothing personal. It's not, I'm trying not to screw anybody. But you know what? You can get my music through iTunes and Bandcamp, and you know I get paid fairly for that. It all goes to me. And, you know, and if you want, you can go to Bandcamp and actually stream the tracks if you want to. Well, there are streaming platforms like Apple Music that are that are going through with this new law that's trying to raise profits for songwriters by like almost half. So right. if, if streaming's your fucking deal, then at least check out Apple Music. And I, I know everyone's heard me bitch about Spotify for like the last year. This isn't me just bitching. Go look it up. Go read the news. Make up your minds for yourselves. But they are yeah. they are suing to have this new law uh, yeah. not ratified. So and 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 for those that don't know, I mean. All the streaming platforms pay less than a penny per stream, but Spotify and Amazon are the two right now that are filing the lawsuit. Well, because well, they're trying to pay more. They're trying to restructure copyright laws and publishing laws. Like right, exactly. one of the last times one of these laws was amended was like a hundred years ago or something insane like that. So, it's something crazy like that. And and Spotify, yeah, Spotify and uh, and Amazon are trying to put a stop to that. Yeah. So you're all big boys and girls. Go do the research for yourself, uh, and uh, we'll just leave that at that. We're going to take it to the email corner and read two emails. You want to hit to the email corner? Let's do it. All right, our first email is from Jason Barry. He says, regarding the Way Your Crap jingle, I like that it's le- uh, less a jingle and more a full-blown song with verses and even a bridge. Yeah. Uh, please tell me that at some point your wife heard you working on the uh, song, came in and was like, what the frick are you doing? Sincerely, Jason Barry. She did come in. My wife loves potty humor, and my kid does too. So it was less of her just overhearing it, me being like, hey, come listen to this. I think you're going to like it. Check this out. You know what I do with my time today, honey? My wife hardly ever like tweets or anything, but she actually tweeted that day. She was like, I came home to my husband writing a jingle about a crap wing toilet. You know, like heart, heart emoji. <laughs> Back off, ladies. <laughs> um, so anyway, the crap wing jingle, uh, which we've just affectionately entitled Weigh Your Crap, is uh, available yeah. for free download. I'm sure we've put, at this point, we've put links on all our socials about it. So right, right. thanks for your interest in the crap wing toilet, uh, Jason. Which, by the way, he informed me recently that his name is Jason Beret. 
Oh, excuse me. Pardon moi. Ew. <laughs> well, sorry. I'm, I'm sticking with Barry. Yeah, we're going to go with Barry. It's, it's too late. It's been long enough. David Homas writes, what's up, brothers? So I've been listening to Slayer for over 20 years. After listening to today's podcast, I have to admit that, quote unquote, Tom, meaning, of course, Dave Lombardo, is way too busy of a drummer. Don't get me wrong, a great drummer, but way too many fills. Reminds me of Mike Portnoy, who I also respect. I think part of being a great drummer is when to let the riff ride and not overshadow it with so much extra shit. This way, I always loved Lars so much. Not nearly a gifted as drummer, but I believed he has a better sense of when enough is enough. Although I will say that he has added a ridiculous amount of fills in the songs live. Can't wait to hear your take on Among the Living, one of my favorite albums of all time. Yes, I believe it's up there with Puppets. Yes, I'm that guy from a few weeks ago. Metal up. Dave from Ellendale, <laughs> Delaware, New Jersey. Thanks, Dave. Well, look, I wasn't trying to give that dude a super hard time. I mean, Dave Lombardo no, is no. obviously an amazing drummer. I was just honestly responding to it, you know. And honestly, I thought I was going to get flamed by a lot of Slayer cats, but uh, people kind of have had the same vibe as David. Like, they're like, yeah, you're kind of right. It is kind of busy. Yeah, well, and, and it is telling of that era, too, where back then with thrash metal, I mean, it was all about, like, just going to town and, like, playing every little fill you could and to show your ability off and stuff like that. And I think in the situation with Lars back in the day, like, I mean, I think he got it where it's like it's more about the song than just your individual ability. Right. I agree. Well, uh, it's as simple as that. We're only reading two of these for these kind of bonus Metal up your, uh, metal Tales episodes. If you want to be a part of the show or if you want to have your thing read, questions, comments, concerns, Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. Even if we don't read them on the show, we read and answer all of them. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's do it. All right, without further ado, we're going to usher you into my conversation with Joey Ursic about the Wichita, Kansas show. And uh, I had a blast talking to Joey, super cool dude. We're lucky to have fans like him. And with that, we'll, uh, we'll send you off into it. Peace. Adios. Welcome back to another episode of Metal Tales from the Road. We are here with our friend Joey Ursic to talk about the show in Wichita, Kansas at the Interest Bank Arena. How you doing, Joey? Oh, man, doing great. My throat still kind of hurts from the last couple of nights of Metallica. Right. Well, there was the singing at the concert, and then there was the sobbing afterwards because it was over. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then the singing on the way there, too, because you have your Metallica playlist on, and you're getting ready to sing along at the show. See, that's, we should talk about this. So that's an interesting point of contention amongst some fans. Now, some people think that on your way to the big show, it's Metallica only. Some people feel like, yeah, you should you know, widen the palette there before you go see 90 Minutes of Metallica. So you're, a, you're of the opinion that you should be blasting the tunes you're going to see. Well, I mean, I, I, I go back and forth. Yeah. Um, some shows I go to and I will play the songs that I'm going to see. And sometimes it'll be like a, like I'll be on the way to see Metallica and listening to Pearl Jam. You know? <laughs> like it's like, it kind of depends on the mood or sometimes it'll be kind of a, a mix, you know? Yeah. Maybe you'll mix in some stuff too. Like I've, I've mixed in stuff that is along the Metallica vein. Yeah. With, with the Metallica. So you might have some, maybe some stone sour or, or, you know, black Sabbath or something like that mixed in as well. I know on my road trip, my lone, lonely road trip to uh, Little Rock, I was listening to Soundgarden the whole time, which felt like a good pairing 
And I, I did see your uh, your Dave Matthews update on the Instagram story, too. Oh, yeah. I had, I yeah. had a little D&B in there. Well, every day in my life now is just sprinkled with bits of Dave Matthews band. That's just the reality I live in now. I embrace it. And, you know, it's it's a it's not a guilty pleasure if you enjoy it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude, you're ne- you will never hear me apologize for that ever. Yeah. Uh, so if you're somehow joining us for the first time, these are bonus episodes called Metal Tales from the Road, where we have our our friends and it's usually patrons come on the show, tell us about the uh, the set list, tell us about their Metallica stories. You're going to hear a little bit about that later, but we've also opened it up to past shows. So go to Patreon.com, get involved with us over there if you want to be on the show later. So before we launch into Wichita, tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, I just learned this about you, that you're you're in radio, you work in radio in Kansas, right? Yeah, I've been radio in Kansas for coming up on 12 years this year. And you, it's a country station, you were telling me. Yeah, I work on a country station now. I've done rock, I've done pop music, I've done uh, AC. Yep. I've pretty much been all over the board. So. For, for those out there, AC is adult contemporary. What? Tell us about working in radio. So what do you do there? Uh, right now, I'm a, I'm a program director. Um, so I handle the... Uh, you know, how the station sounds, right. you know, helping out with like, even, even down to the little blurbs you hear in between, like, you know, the little, little bits you hear with the station name, building those, um, right. guiding what sometimes, you know, not, not totally, but like if you hear a DJ talking about, we've got this concert coming up when these tickets kind of guiding out, this is what I want you to talk about during the show, things like that. Um, and even just kind of helping with the social media too. I get asked this a lot being a, most of our listeners know that I play country music and write country music. I'm involved in the country music industry, but also obviously like to rock. I host a Metallica podcast. You're a diehard Metallica fan. What's the crossover like for you with your personal taste with working in country music? Is it, do you have to separate them out or are you a country fan? Um, I, I'm a country fan and I, I go back to even like the, man, my dad having, like Hank Williams, Buck Owens, George Jones, Porter Wagner. So rating his record collection, uh, really the first one I remember listening to from his collection was George Strait, uh, Right or Wrong, I think. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie Daniels Band, uh, not Million Mile Reflections with Doubling Down to Georgia, but the the Fire on the Mountain album with like Long Haired Country Boy. Mm -hmm. Like just taking those records and putting them on my Big Bird record player, you know? (laughs) Yeah, we cover Long Haired Country Boy in our set. Dude, it's such a great song. Just awesome song. A, a great groove to it. I would say for a lot of our true diehard metal guys out there that are open-minded and curious, there's a whole wealth of wonderful country music from the 50s and 60s and 70s that are worth investigating for sure. Well, and there was the, what, the Lollapalooza tour where Waylon Jennings was on the same lineup as Metallica. Right, right. So, so there's, you know, it, it can go hand in hand if you look deep enough. Yeah, totally. Another thing that I got to say is one of the things we do over at the Patreon is we give stuff away and uh, you are responsible for hooking us up with a whole boatload and a buttload also of the Akeem dolls, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just did Target one day and they were like on sale for two sixty eight. <laughs> <laughs> what a price. How do they land on that? Oh man, I don't know. Um, I just, and it seemed kind of random too. They were just kind of like spread out. Like there wasn't like, there was like no organization to it. You know what's funny to me about that is that like you're the story of you in that target is you're the guy that came and bought all of the Akeem Funko Pop dolls. Well, and then the lady, I, I'm wondering what the lady thought. She's like, man, this guy really must like coming to America just buying all these Akeem. 
you're like in the line you're like these aren't just for me you're like disclaiming it like <laughs> sorry these aren't all for me well we appreciate that dude i mean those are going to make a lot of uh melody podcast listeners happy i've got one in my studio currently you got to meet sarah when i was on the rail sarah came up to talk to one of the other sarah vanners mm-hmm. and so we, we could talk about me getting on the rail a little bit later on sure uh but but yeah I, it was the yellow bandana uh, saw that pop up and I was like, Oh, it's Sarah. So I said hi to her. And she's like, I was like, I'm the guy that got the Akeem, you know, Funko pops <laughs> and sent them to Clinton Ethan. She's like, Oh, I want one of those so bad. Oh, <laughs> I got one for her. She, she's going to trade me. Uh, she's going to send me some Freddy Krueger stuff. I think we've already talked about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. She mentioned that. She mentioned that, but yeah, we were, so that was my, my here's, here's who I am. I'm the guy that got the, the Akeems and sent them out to Nashville. It's such yeah. a fun, strange byproduct of doing the show that there's that kind of culture around it where you can meet a stranger at a Metallica show and sort of have have this identity attached to you about it. You know, I think that's so cool. Well, and the uh, the girl next to me was Claire from Australia. Oh, wow. Okay. Sarah, and, and so she, she started speaking, and you've been to Kansas. You know how it is. Like, if somebody's not from Kansas, you know. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, that's not that's not a can that's not Kansan talk right there. Right. So I was like, where are you from? And she goes, oh, I'm from Australia. And I was like, oh, are you in the Saravan? And she just starts laughing. And she goes, could you hear me on the podcast? And I was like, I could hear you in the background. Right. I could hear you laughing. And yeah, but so that that was like a conversation icebreaker. Was oh yeah, I heard you on the, the Metal Tales episode from El Paso. When did you hear of the podcast? Like, when did you hop online with us? And what's that been like? Uh, hopping online with you guys. Um, you know, I, I'm in, I collect guitar picks, you know, so I've got a collection going back years and, and so I'm in a group where guys will trade stuff. So if they get extra stuff, like, like if I've got an extra Paul Stanley and I want a Gene Simmons, mm-hmm. I can go on and do some trades. Well, then some guys were kind of showing off stuff they had. And, you know, it's, it's also becomes like a, here's what I just got. Here's the cool things I just have. And I kept seeing the metal up your podcast picks show up on, on this guitar pick trading forum. That's so fun. And so, and honestly, like when I first saw it, I was like, man, I wonder if it's a good podcast, but, uh, I'll maybe put that on the back burner and check it out later. Mm-hmm. And so it's cause sometimes you hear some podcasts that are pretty, you know, you're like, uh, you know, good idea. Don't like the execution. Let me stay away from that for a bit. Sure. So, uh, I was trying to find some basically to see, you know, Jason Newstead doesn't really do many interviews on his departure from Metallica. Right. So I was trying to track down anything about Jason's departure. So when I was looking to see if he had done any podcasts, I looked up Jason Newstead. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to give these guys a go and listen to it. And before it even got into the information about Jason, it was just kind of like the, here's you know, the house cleaning. You know, we're going to do this. And some, some of the inside jokes and some of the stuff going on, I was kind of like, what? New Jersey, what's <laughs> what's that all about? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. So then it be, so then it became like as time went on, I was like, okay, I, I want to listen to the Bob Rock episode, and I want to listen to this, and um, started to kind of get where some of the stuff was coming from. You know, right. going back to the beginning and listen through things, and to the point where you know sometimes I'll find myself at work, my boss will say something, and I'll reply back, I'll be like, thank you. And she's just kind of <laughs> like, what? What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, yeah, we basically torture our wives with that shit. Our poor wives. Oh, dude, my my girlfriend. Oh, she. Yeah, <laughs> there was one road trip where I tortured her with the wrestling boot band. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, she may thank you for that later, though. <laughs> she really should. I mean, you may have just planted the a Hulkamania seed and, you know, that may blossom into a beautiful Hulkamania tree one day. 
Well, what I want to know is, have you guys heard the Macho Man Randy Savage rap battle song he did about Hulk Hogan? Ooh, no. I may put yeah. that. Uh, I may put that. At the, let me make a little note. I may put that at the end of this episode. Yeah, I think it's called "Be a Man." I think that's what it's called. <laughs> but, oh, it's gloriously awful. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna. Look, I may edit that in afterwards. So, what's your deal with Metallica? When did you? I, I think you are you around my age. How old are you? Uh, I'm 39. So okay, yeah, we're, we're close. We're close. Yeah, because some, some of the stuff that you know from your story is really really similar to mine. Yeah. Um. Well, what was the first you heard? Did you was it Justice or was it earlier? Or it was it was in the Black Album. I okay. heard of them before the Black Album, but uh, like I don't know if you remember a ma- magazine called Metal Edge. I do. Um. You know, back back when I was you know maybe 11, 12, I was really I was into the hair metal stuff. You know, so you know. Poison, Cinderella, into like Skid Row, Bon Jovi. Right. And so I used in Warrants, I'd go by Metal Edge and read about these guys. And they had where you could see, you could order these t-shirts. And here's here's all these bands' t-shirts. I remember looking through and being like, oh, man, these Metallica guys have a freaking toilet with a knife coming out of it. You know, like <laughs> looking looking at those t-shirt previews, like, what's this thing? This guy, you know, it's a skeleton with no arms and legs, you know? My parents are going to hate it. I need to have it. Yeah, yeah. And so as I'm discovering those T-shirt designs, um, I was visiting my cousin uh, for a week in the summer. I'd go spend a week at his house every summer. And we're down in his basement. I can still remember being in that basement room with MTV on. And it was like dial MTV and seeing the Inner Sandman video for the first time. And kind of coming in and like, what is this? I've never seen anything like this. And you're kind of... You're you're just kind of blown away. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. And you're like, here's like these four ugly dudes when everybody else has like highlights and poodle perms, you know? Yeah, it's weird. I've 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 been sort of retroactively learning that that they're sort of um it's funny that you just said ugly. Like their sort of ugliness stood out in that sea of hairspray and makeup and I never really considered that. But that's a, that's an interesting thing that they did, you know. They they wore kind of like street clothes all the time and all that. Yeah, it was like the that look, you know, I know with Hetfield and Kirk and Jason at least was black t shirt, black jeans. You know, Lars was in his, his spandex and tennis shoes, you know, behind the drum kit in that right. video. But um but just like that it it was scary compared to everything else. Like it was just like this, should I be watching this? Is this something, you know and then seeing the semi truck just barrel over the bed and the inner Sandman video and the old man and the strobe lights. It was just like, whoa. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's hard to explain to people that some of that shit was scary, <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah. It was, it, it was, it was almost when people talk about the moment where they first heard Nirvana's Nevermind, like mm-hmm. my, my, I, I, I more remember the time that I first heard inner Sandman. Right. Um, from that era, it was around the same time, but I, like inner Sandman was really what, what drew me in. And then, you know, being in middle school at that time, you know, it's all about MTV and they were all over MTV. So yeah. by the end of that year, you had Unforgiven. And the next year you had wherever I, I remember wherever I may run coming out and just being like, whoa, like this is this is what it looks like when those guys are on tour. You know, right. This is what their stage looks like. And, you know, like just seeing that. And so going from a name that you'd heard that was synonymous with with hard music. To seeing the Understand Man video, to being like they're all over MTV, they're doing the Guns N' Roses Stadium tour. Mm-hmm. They're you know they're showing footage from Monsters Rock in Moscow all the time, and going back and learning about Metallica, and then having my uncle 
kind of be like, oh, well, I saw those guys in 1986. And wow. then realizing that they had, wow, there's 10 years worth of music I need to go catch up on. <laughs> and and going back and buying Justice and then hearing one for the first time. And just when the machine gun kick drum comes in, you're just like, what am I listening to? I know, to? it's mind-blowing. Yeah. I, I often <laughs> think about, man, if I could just go back and hear that shit for the first time again, you know? Well, I remember the first time I heard And Justice for All, just like, like it, you know, like the song "And Justice for All." Mm-hmm. That thing just blew my mind. Like yeah. it didn't even register to me that it was like nine minutes long. It was just, just that journey that you're going through from the first, you know, note to the end. Just that, the dynamics in that song and everything you're hearing. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, it doesn't feel long to me either. I know that for them, they had to go out and play all the songs live, and it started to feel kind of laborious but i'm with you dude i think that's what's so special about those early records especially when they were getting progressive is they don't feel like a slog to me like sometimes someone will play trying to turn me on a dream theater or something it's like i'm looking at my watch at the two minute mark you know right yeah like pull me under you're like okay is he gonna start singing yeah like (laughs) yeah it's just it's kind of boring but yeah they kind of were able to maintain this kinetic thing i always kind of wondering what's going to be around the corner with them you know well, and, and, and like you as well, man, I, I'm a big fan of load and reload. Right. Um, I, you know, th- those are some of my favorite, you know, Bob rock produced records. Right. Just something about, uh, just the overall, you know, scope of the album. It just sounds amazing. Yeah. And, and even now, like and he, and hearing the songs now too, like hearing fuel 20 years later, it's just, just as big as it was when it was on TRL. It's, it's so weird to think about that Metallica on TRL in 1998. Dude, when I think yeah. about Fuel on MTV, like it is indelibly tied to TRL for sure. Well, there, and there was that, uh, like the TRL special where they released garage Inc. Yeah. And they're out in times square with Carson Daly handing out copies of it to people <laughs> on the sidewalk. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. It's, it's weird to think of Carson, you know, Carson Daly was a guy hanging out with NSYNC, but then he's also hanging out with Metallica. It's just, they were they were that big, and that's what MTV was like. MTV was kind of leveling it for all those different genres. And speaking of Pearl, so you're a big Pearl Jam fan? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I discovered Pearl Jam around the same time, like the maybe about six months later or so, when I first yeah. saw the Even Flow video. The Even Flow video is just same same reaction, but not scary. Yeah, I, me too. I mean, I'm a massive lifelong Pearl Jam fan, but I found a really interesting Load Reload era interview with James that I'd never seen before. And it seems to be uh, Load's been out and they're finishing up recording the songs that would become Reload. But they're talking about MTV and specifically about Pearl Jam. The guy interviewing him is like, what do you think, you know, you guys said you would never make videos. Now you do. Pearl Jam's basically, they don't want to make videos anymore. It's interesting to see James talk about Pearl Jam. It's pretty clear he's not a fan. But... Oh, wow. But, uh... He's basically talking about how, like, once you sell a CD, you're part of that machine. This talking about, like, instead of uh, instead of trying to have cred and moving away from MTV, letting MTV sort of come to them and using MTV as a tool. I thought it was pretty legit. He's like, dude, we use MTV as a tool the same way we use anything as a tool. They're being accused of being selling out. And, you know, Pearl Jam was getting a lot of cred at the time for, like, not, quote unquote, playing the game. But he's kind of like, ah, oh, they're still playing the game, you know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, 20, 20 years on Sony Music. I mean, you have to be playing the game at some level. Totally. So the same with Metallica on Elektra. You know, like those guys were, they found a way into the label, you know, the major label game and made it work for what they needed it to do um, for, for them to advance what they wanted to do, which was be, 
still to this day, you know, the biggest metal band in the world. You know, those guys just went out and, and it, it, and I think you've read back to the front, right? Oh yeah. Big time. Like where, where they talk about going out and by the end of that, they're, they're playing arenas. And so people are aware of who they are, but MTV hasn't come around yet. And then right. even when they were putting a video for one out, um, you know, in reading in the book in, uh, and justice for all where they are, um, MTV is like, well, you can send us a video, but we're not sure if we're going to play it. Right. Even though you guys are out selling out arenas and selling millions of copies of Injustice for All, we may not play the video for one because it's longer than three minutes. Well, they did that brilliant thing where they submitted it for the like after midnight all request thing, and they had yeah. all their they had all their fans basically loophole it and vote it in, and then it became a huge smash. Well, and I think the same thing kind of worked for. Uh, for for Guns and Roses too, where they put them on after midnight, and the next thing you know, the phone lines are blowing up the next day. Right, because their their videos weren't scary necessarily, but they were super long and weird. Like I'm thinking about the video for Estranged. Oh yeah, where Axel's like swimming with the dolphins in a Charles yeah. Manson t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. and he's <laughs> he's wearing shoes that say Axel. And I mean, how how cool do you have to be though to have your name on your shoes? I mean, uh, like how many how many how many rock stars have that? That's like a Kanye West thing, and Axel was doing it 25 years. Ago. I thought it was the coolest thing in the fucking world, dude. I thought Estranged was the coolest thing in the world. Well, in November rain, like that, I, remember, yeah. I remember like sitting with my friends and analyzing what, what does this mean in this video? Yeah. You know, what does it mean when Axel jumps under the table and the cake falls down? Well, yeah. What does like, it, what does it mean that it just simply rained at the wedding and she died? Wait, she died because it rained? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Like really? She's yeah. And Slash is driving the car off the cliff and then he's in the weird tiny church in the desert. But you know, whenever, whenever I get married, I have to have a friend and go out and play a guitar solo. Like I have to have a friend go out there with a shirt on button, do a guitar solo with the wind blowing. I'll and do it. Come back in. Look, yeah. I'll do it. I accept. <laughs> there we go. Everyone will love. I don't look like Slash in 1993. I've got kind of the dad bod sitch rocking, but I'll I'll wear some leather pants and wear a fucking top hat and play that solo. There we go. Yeah, cigarette. You don't have to light it, but a cigarette dangling out of your mouth too. <laughs> that's required. So when was the first time you got to see the band? Um, I saw them. I don't remember the exact day. I know it was July '98. It was on the uh, Poor Retouring Me Tour. Awesome. Uh, they were playing out in the sheds. They had Days of the New and Jerry Cantrell opening. Whoa! Yeah, it was. Um, How was Days of the New? Uh, they were like I wasn't a big fan of them back then. It kind of it had that weird like late '90s, very inspired by Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Pickle and Mouth kind of vocal. You know, right. <laughs> like it was very weird. You know. What was um, the venue? Uh, Sandstone Amphitheater. All right, uh, bring- it's called it's called it's called Providence Amphitheater now. I'm bringing up the set list right now. Uh, they open with Bread Fan. Does that sound right? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Bread so this Fan, is July and, 29th. And, yeah, and then they went right into like, and this is when they started putting the full version of uh, Master of Puppets back in, yeah, back into the set, yeah. So Puppets, Wolf and Man, Things That Should Not Be, Fuel, and Memory Remains back to back, Bleeding Me. Holy shit. Bass and guitar solos, nothing else matters. Interesting to see nothing else matters that early in the set. Until it sleeps, King Nothing with the Outlaw Torn Jam. Rome, One, Fight Fire. Encore is Low Men's Lyric, Four Horsemen, Last Caress, Sabbath, True. Sandman, Encore 2, Creeping Death. That's a fucking killer set list. Yeah, it was it was oddball seeing them close with Creeping Death. Like, you don't see that much now. Right. Um, and then with that, too, like it's almost like, that was a year, but within a year of S and M, it's like was was that set list kind of preparing oh, interesting. for the S and M because you know thing that should not be mm-hmm. bleeding me, Wolf um, and Man, 
Yeah, and then uh, with with fuel, that was back when Kirk was using his slide to do like the to, to kind of approximate a car shifting gears and for accelerating. Fuel. Yeah, yeah, the beginning of fuel. Man, um, and then the the acoustic set too. Right, like we're like I think I think Four Horsemen and Last Caress were were acoustic yep. leading into like low man's lyric. It was, it was, it was a different, it was a different kind of show than what you see now. It was definitely a unique Metallica experience. So was your takeaway, like do you leave a show like that and you're like, Jesus Christ, the biggest band, best band in the world. I mean, uh, cause I remember seeing them around 2000 and there was just kind of a fire to them that was pretty powerful at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that, it was kind of, you know, at that point in time, the only other like arena level act I'd seen was Bush. You know, because Bush Bush was pretty big for a hot second in '97. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And so with those guys, they just came out and they walked up on stage and they played their they played their set and they left. They had very minimal. I mean, they had good lighting production. They had like a video wall, but nothing like you see now. Right. You know, Metallica comes out and they have like a big you know backdrop that's the cover of Reload. <laughs> and and you see Lars's like silver sparkle Tama kit just rolling out on the on the on the riser. And you're like, oh, it's it's getting real, right? You know, and uh, and then you and then you see him, and it's like, holy crap, they're right there. And Kirk's got his leather pants on, looking like a like a, a freaking rock star. Yeah, James is just you know twenty some odd thousand people just you know doing you know the thing that Jim Brewer kind of does, where he's just like you know going up to them like yeah like james <laughs> he's doing that whole thing it's not ni- it's classic 90s james you know? yeah yeah i love it i miss it and you know and jason too jason doing like the last course of creeping death mm-hmm. and you know like just man it was just like you walk away and you're kind of like how am i ever going to top this experience like i'm i'm, I'm... i agree and it's, it's interesting that people kind of have quote unquote their metallicas you know like everything you just described is my metallica like Jason singing that, you know, it's not a Cliff era thing. It's Jason singing that chorus. It's James prowling the stage and doing the stupid yes. Kirk and leather pants. That whole deal. That's my era. That's my shit. See, and, and when you saw when you saw him for the first time, was Lars still like in the gym short era, where he was wearing like a like a white long sleeve shirt and gym shorts? Mm, good question. I don't remember. Yeah, that's what he was doing on that summer tour. He had like these gym shorts on with a white long sleeve, which I was like, that kind of defeats. The, okay. Do your thing, Lars. You know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> do you? That's man. making me think about S and M. He wore like the long sleeve white shirt. Yeah, yeah, and uh, because I, I also saw, I saw him on Summer Sanitarium as well in 2000, and I can't remember. I remember that was when Lars had kind of grown his hair out a hmm. little bit. Like he had that, like you know, like not super long, but it was kind of like, uh, like you know, the hair on top would come down to about his ear, very kind of you know, suave like rock star look. For it was the same as in the Napster interviews, you know. So you were able to actually see the Summer Sanitarium tour where James was there. Yeah, um, I caught the first show when he came back. Okay, um, cool. So they came. They came into Denver. It was like July twelfth, uh, two thousand, and they came in, and he actually had to leave a few songs in and go have, you know, the masseuse or whatever work on his back. Wow. He's like, I'm gonna go get my back worked on so I can finish the show. So he leaves, and they did wow. Whiplash with Jason doing vocal. Awesome. So so it was just like. Man, it it, it kind of is. Kirk's still playing what he normally plays, so you're kind of like, okay, you're missing that extra guitar. But to see Jason sing Whiplash, start to finish was. Well, I was like, you know, I, I can take that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, I'm okay with that. When we, I, I've said this before on the show, but when we had the horrible show where James couldn't be there, I thought Jason was going to do the whole show, and I was like, you know what, no problem. He that didn't end up being the case, but 
We did think that was going to be the deal. And then Kid Rock got the turntables out. Exactly. It just is yeah. a fucking disgrace, dude. I, I was so <laughs> bummed. I was so bummed. It, these days, I'd probably be more open to it, but at the time, I was just so tribal. And I mean, we had our middle fingers out, you know, the whole time and all that, all that stupid shit you do when you're a kid. So, what was the show? Did you see more shows after 2000? Um, the next time I saw them was I saw two on the uh, Madly in Anger with the World Tour. That was a great time to see them, dude. Man, uh, you know, I didn't re- like going into it. I didn't. I hadn't been keeping up on the set list. I didn't realize how special the set lists were. Yeah, big time. So, you know, going to Kansas City last minute and they're playing, you know, Blackened to open the show. Yeah, so cool. And and they're doing like two songs from Saying Anger. But then also, like, you know, they're, you know, they're really working in a lot of Kill 'em All. You know, like you're, you're seeing, you know, or even Puppets or, you know, whatever album. To see that, it was it, like I didn't realize, you know, at the time until later on, like how special that tour really was, especially coming out of the, uh, you know, the Sane Anger sessions where you, you see, you know, and, and that's where I forgot the first glimpse of some kind of monster too, because they had it on the video screens. Right. So, Godsmack comes out and plays, and then you're kind of waiting, and they show the trailer for some kind of monster. Wow! And so, so you're like, they they got that trailer on the video screens and cranked through the sound system. Wow! And and being like, whoa, this is something I have to go see. Like, you know, seeing that that that, and just hearing like a, a gigantic arena with with the uh, the James and Lars fight. You know, the coffee table. You know, fuck fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Hearing that like on a gigantic like twenty thousand seat you know, arena sound system. That must have been a really strange thing to see, not really knowing what that movie was going to be like. It, it, it was. And I remember like kind of being, so it almost that feeling of when you're seeing the fights on the trailer and you see James slam on the door, it's almost like that, that feeling of like when a kid sees their parents fighting and wants to go like in the other room, <laughs> Yeah, totally. you know, like that whole thing is like, I'm not supposed to watch James and Kirk fight, you know, James and Kirk and Lars fight. I'm supposed to, you know, just listen to their music and that's it. I'm not supposed to see this. Like, Dude, my kid, my wife and I are like really aware of like fighting in front of our kid. We try to, and we don't fight that much, so it's not that big a deal. But you know, you gotta, you know, in relationships, you gotta have tense conversations. And my kid will, she's just sort of mirroring us, but she'll be like, "Guys, guys, we need to slow it down. We need to calm it down." Because <laughs> <laughs> if I'm kind of getting upset or my wife's getting upset, we're always like, "Hey, babe, let's just slow it down. Let's just calm it down." It's so funny. It's like you want to do that when you see James and Kirk like that. Hey, guys, let's just slow it down. Everything's cool. Well, it's almost like that in that one fight in the studio. That's that's Kirk in there, guys, guys. Come on, let's just breathe a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. It falls it falls so flat. Hey, how about instead of banging on each other, we just go bang it out in the studio? They just completely ignore it. <laughs> I think my favorite part of that though is the fist, the the face palm. Oh yeah. Well, because he goes. Well, that's when Lars goes. You're just sitting there being a dick, and then Kirk's like, "It's over." <laughs> and can you imagine being Kirk for like you know forty years of that? I like, think, yeah, I think it was probably scary, man, because he, it was definitely seemed to have been, that seems to have been a peak of their conflict. And I think he's sitting there going, what's going to happen, you know? Bob Rock, too. I bet that was scary for him to be sitting there, too. Man, uh, speaking of Bob Rock, I saw a picture of Bob Rock the other day on Motley Crue's Instagram. I tagged you guys in it. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, there's no fanny packs in this. What the hell? Like, <laughs> He saves all of his fanny packs for the Metallica sessions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's for that special you know? magic. Well, and, and and with him too, like there's that scene in some kind of monster where, uh, 
I don't know if you recall the scene, but like where they're talking about Kirk's like, well, I know where James is at. I've, I've, you know, oh, yeah. my buddy talked to him and, and he's like, and I talked to him and, and he, he lumps Bob in with the business part and Bob yeah. looks so heartbroken. Oh, that's one of the worst parts, dude. Like where Bob, you can just see, you can just see like that, that heartbreak in Bob Rock's face. Well, cause everyone's like, like what do you mean you talked to James? He's like, yeah, I talked to him and he doesn't want to talk to you guys. Yeah. That's, that's brutal. And have you read the book, the, uh, the, the Joe that, Berlinger book? Yeah, the Joe Berlinger deck. Yeah, this monster, this, this lives. monster lives. Yeah, and the same thing. There's stories in that thing where you're kind of like, man, like, should I be reading this? Uh, <laughs> should I be in the know on this conversation? Yeah, and you know, the more you peek under the hood of that, even peeking under the hood of the documentary, which was a peek under the hood, the more the more grateful it makes me that they survived all that shit. Well, and to, and to see how James is now, and have and having that thought in the middle of the show too, it's like, oh wow, these guys wouldn't be here if it weren't for for that movie and for Phil Tao and that whole, that whole shit storm that was the making of St. Anger yeah. and Jason Newstead leaving the band, they wouldn't be here today if it weren't for all of that. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, so speaking of how James is now, so what's your vibe going into the show? Have you seen any of the other worldwide shows? Um, this is, uh, which is my third one. Um, okay, cool. I, I saw, I saw the stadium show in Denver mm-hmm. and then I caught the first, uh, the first show of the year in Tulsa. Awesome. And so, um, with this show, uh, I've been looking forward to Wichita. You know, it's always special to kind of see, see a show in your home state, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when it's been 15 years, they haven't been back since, uh, madly in anger. So, uh, it'd been a long time. So I was like, you know, a year out, like, Oh no, this is it. This is going to be the show on the tour. I can't, I can't wait to see this. Um, and so, so going in, like, uh, really excited about it and then leading up to the show i won the fifth member meet and greet so that totally changed everything you know right. the excitement levels up a notch because it's like oh man now i get to have FaceTime with you know three three of the four guys in this band that's been such a monumental piece of my life you know right um and then everybody kind of been like well, what are you going to say to lars and you meet him i was like man i'm not planning anything i'm just going to go in and and be in the moment nice um, so, I mean, that, that really changed, like, you know, like what my plan was for the day. Cause at first I was just going to go and be like, I'm going to go in and try to get a good spot on the floor where I could see and hear, hear pretty well. And, and then now I got to be there at this time because they, it's, it's very gridded out, you know, I mean, you've, you've, you've been around their operation, you know, that they've got a ton of guys on staff. There's, there is a super, stru- you know, super structure built around what they do. Absolutely. So even like a week out, you're getting an email going, you, you know, you need to reply by this day and time or you don't get to come. Hmm. And, you know, like if you don't RSVP, you're not getting into the meet and greet and you have to have your own ticket. You can't do this with it. You know, then they send you more rules like a week later and okay, you have to be there by this time and check in and, you know, this is where you meet us. This is who you talk to, you know, venue staff doesn't know anything about us. So don't ask them any questions. Um, you know, it's very much like very, like the most detailed meet and greet instructions I've ever had <laughs> for, for any, any meet and greet I've done. Um, but see, that's just another small part of the machine that's tight, you know, that it's just like all their stuff. It's why, probably why oh, it works yeah. so well. Well, and, and so then when you get in there, it's, it's just very, you know, there's so much structure to it that it feels comfortable, but intimidating at the same time. How many like, people, how many people <laughs> were doing the meet and greet? Um, there were, I know there were, there were three other from the Met club. Uh, there were two radio station winners from a local rock station. 
there were two from the all within my hands and then there was a there was a guy that I it was like a chapter leader for like a like a like a regional met club chapter that he had a couple so there's maybe 10 total okay um and, and of course I was like the first one in line I was like super eager you know to go <laughs> I was the first one there um you know some black ticket holders also in that as well okay, cool um so we get back in there and you know they they lead you back and you're you're getting to walk back by the flight cases you know you're like oh there's you know same thing that you kind of um talked about with nashville where you're like oh there's the binge and purge case i've right. seen that thing you yeah know? totally and you're walking back and there's like all the signs that you see you know um catering like, oh, well, and band there's and... catering and there's the fun yeah. guy and there's there's the masseuse and there's tuning room like right. you're walking all the way back and you're seeing all this stuff and the whole time we're walking back james is actually out line checking his guitar oh wow in the in the arena so like you don't get to see him because they have a, they have it curtained off but you're hearing james like do welcome home sanitarium and singing it just james and a guitar holy or shit doing, or doing the solo from nothing else matters like it's you're just like holy crap like i know i'm not gonna give me the guy but getting to hear him just on his own playing his guitar and, and I, so i don't know if he was like trying out a new guitar or tiling and stuff with chad you know for uh you know for his rig it was but it was pretty cool to listen to like you can actually like on the instagram story you could hear it in the background you could hear james playing guitar over the top of the beat i my my best guess is that that's rare yeah it may have been a new guitar or a new effect or something to kind of test out in the real world with his hands yeah yeah and because it, it, it didn't seem like like normal for you know what you would think they would normally do it wasn't like you got the text out there, line checking every instrument. It was just James, vocal guitar, and that was it. Well, I know in Nashville, we Rob was doing the same thing, but it was because something was messed up with his bass, and he was kind of just making sure everything was cool. It was kind of an un, you know extenuating circumstance. Yeah, and so that's where I was kind of like maybe, and so I was keeping my eyes peeled for a new guitar mm. during the night, or or then you're kind of like getting your hopes up too. You're like, oh. He just started playing the riff from the day that never comes. Is that on the set list? Right, you know, right. Yeah. Like you start, you start like trying not to get your hopes up too high. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, well, if he's playing the riff, maybe. Um, but none of the songs, none of the songs he played, but nothing else mattered made the set list. So that was, that was that. But. So you're the first guy in line. Who do you talk to first? Rob. Rob came in. Mm -hmm. um, so Rob comes in, and it was weird because like I was talking to the the Met Club members around me. And by that time, we kind of worked where, like, you know, the other two had kind of got on the outside. So I was, like, the third one in. Even though I was the first one there to arrive, like, the time we got locked back there and lined up, I was the third person in the line. Okay. So we're kind of chit-chatting about something and, like, just kind of look up. It's like, well, holy crap, there's Rob. Rob just, like, almost like he just magically appeared. <laughs> and so, yeah. so so Rob comes in and and uh, – and, and in that moment, it's kind of like, you know, it's real. Like they're, they're here, you know, yeah. you start to, you start to feel your heart beating out of your chest and you're like, Oh, I don't even know what to say. Like anything I would have had planned was out the door anyway. So it's just kind of trying to like remain calm and not, you know, you want to make sure they know you're a fan, but not be a scary fan at the same time. <laughs> totally. <you know? laughs> I love you too much to let you live. Yeah. And actually there was, there was a picture um, that I had of me and Kirk from uh, the last time I saw him in Wichita me and Kirk and, and Lars all, all together in a picture and I was having them sign it. So I was telling Rob the story of the picture um, kind of thing. That's the only thing I could think of to say. And so, you know, so we're Hey Rob, here's that. a picture of me and other people. It's kind of a long story that we could actually say for like a different, just, just on that Wichita 04 show. Okay. I got, 
pulled onto the stage by Lars. Okay. And, and, uh, so there's a picture that was from, uh, the, the Met on tour side is what it used to be, but now it's just patalga.com. But there's a picture that, uh, their Met on tour guy took at that time of me on, on the stage behind Lars's drum kit with Lars and Kirk. Okay. And so like, and so I was like, well, Rob was there, uh, kind of, <laughs> He was to the side, so he still signed it, and he signed my copy of Hardwired for me. Nice, nice. And so then you get done with that, and then it's just kind of like a, let's wait a little bit. You know, like it's maybe like 20, 30 minutes. Made it. it might not have been that long. It felt that long, but it was there was a pretty long gap between Lars coming. So they stagger the dudes. They're not all there at the same time. Kirk Kirk and Lars kind of overlap. Okay. Um, and that's where, like, you'll see if you ever watch their Instagram or Snapchat stories. Lars will be halfway through the line, and here comes Kirk, and Lars will go, "Oh, hey, look, there's a real rock star." Ah, and then and then Kirk does it back, like he gets to the end of the line, and goes, "Hey, there's a real rock star right there." Nice. Like they kind of do this little back and forth, and I see it constantly on their Instagram story. Nice. So then Lars, you know, Lars comes in, and Lars is just, you know, he's got jokes, you know. Yeah. Uh, like he asks the girl where she's from, and she's like, "I'm from right here," and he's like, "We're right here in this hallway." Nice. <laughs> like, Killer dad or, joke. Yeah, and then he's like, uh, the first thing he said, he walks in and he goes, ah, "Of all the arena hallways we've been in on this tour, this is one of the nicest." Like, it's just They're like you say that in every arena hallway, you bastard. <laughs> well, and you and you start to hear some of the some of the same jokes that he made. Like he was uh, somebody said something about seeing him in Boise, and I'd heard this on on the Instagram story. Oh, Taco Bell Arena, did you get free tacos? Like I heard him make that joke in the meet and greet after I heard it, like on the Instagram story a couple right. months before, and so. So you kind of know Lars is going to come in and crack some jokes. And so it's a little bit more like you're super nervous because there's, you know, Lars standing right in front of you. But at the same time, he's making it a little bit easier because he's cracking jokes and asking you, Hey man, so have you seen this before? How many times? What was your favorite show out of those? You know, what'd you talk to him about? We talked about, we actually talked about the Denver show the where they got delayed because of the storm. The, um, the storm. Yeah. And he told the story about how the, the upside of it was they had to go back and watch the end of the NBA finals. Oh, right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But he but talked about that and talked about how, you know, okay, so yeah, we came out and fumbled our way through Ride the Lightning. And I was like, yep, yep, I remember. I remember seeing that. <laughs> I was there. You're like, yeah, nerds like us talk about that all the time. That's yeah, like how we identify oh. the Denver show. But uh, so, so there was, you know, talk about that. And then he kind of, you know, goes back on and, you know, Kurt comes out soon after. And Kirk, Kirk is like one of the nicest, but like, like you can tell he's very like shy, awkward. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he's a very shy, awkward kind of dude. Um, to where like, you know, you, you want, he wants to say like, almost like he wants to say things, but he's like double thinking it. he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, there's kind of like, but he's very, you know, and you can kind of even see like in the pictures of him, like in, from those photos where he's, he's a very sweet person, but it's almost like that shyness that he has really comes out in those situations right right what'd you talk to him about you know we same thing he was in that picture so he's like asked me the story on the picture and lars did kind of too so i'm having to tell retell the story of this picture that i'm getting signed yeah it's kind of talking about like how uh you know just like here was the conversation here's the one thing you said to me in this moment and kirk's like well all right man cool you know like <laughs> like you like you could tell they don't remember the story but they're not wanting to tell you they don't you know really remember it but they're kind of just you know going along with it as you tell the story kind of thing which has been 15 years and who who knows how many shows you know well and that happens sure and that happens to them at every show i bet you know 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always somebody that's got, you know, something. So I, I wasn't expecting them to remember, but I was telling them, you know, here's this moment we had, you know, um, once upon a time that was special to me. And here's a photo that I'd like to have you guys write your names on. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, so it's just kind of, you know, in that moment and trying not to fumble over my own words because I'm so nervous and my heart rates, you know, up and, you know, the adrenaline is pumping. So you're kind of starting to talk fast. You want to make sure they understand what you're saying and you're, you know, trying to, trying to stay as calm and collected as possible. Well, and you don't, you don't, time. you only get a small window, you know, you know, cause people are waiting and then you got to deal with other people who are like watching you talk to them, which has got to be a little awkward too. Well, there's that. And then there's also like, they've got the, you know, the website cameras out, so mm-hmm. they're filming the whole thing. But then there's also, uh, you know, like they've got one of the guys has a phone out and doing Snapchat and Instagram. So you're kind of like, well, people are watching this as it's happening right. online. You know, there's little bit of a delay with it, but you're, you're, you know, people are going to see this. So if yeah. you really say something dumb, a lot of Metallica fans are going to see it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't want to say something dumb in front of Metallica fans because that's bad news bears. Sure. Well, yeah, if anyone knows that we do. So <laughs> how do you get, so you were planning on just having a normal ticket, but getting the meet and greet changed that. How do you get from the meet and greet to the rail? Well, um, and I don't remember his name, but the guy, the Met club represents, he takes us to the back entrance of the floor and the VIPs are coming in off the off the other entrance onto the floor from the from uh, where the VIP lounge is, like the so unforgiven let, people or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You start to see the unforgiven people rolling in, and the you know the Whiplash and those groups. And he goes, "Well, all right, uh, let them get their spots, and then we'll let you go out there." So he didn't make they didn't make us go back up. We had we got to stay on that level. And then once they had spots, they were like, "Okay, you're good, go." And so there was, I was like, "Man, I wanted to go over to a different side of the stage." And kind of, kind of, kind of chill and watch it. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get rail at any other Metallica show anytime soon. I saw maybe a 10 foot section of, of rail open right by where Zach Rob's tech is. Mm-hmm. So I just ran over there and grabbed my spot. Nice. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it on this show. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy the, the rail experience. And then like, while I'm there, I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm messaging you guys on Instagram. Got rail. Just had this happen. I was on the Instagram story, like I'm sending you guys all, all kinds of – ran into somebody from the Saravan, and I don't know if it was you or Ethan replying, but mm-hmm. but I actually did send it to like your guys' personal accounts too because I was just that excited. I was like, who can I send this to? <laughs> right. And it's, and it's almost like you guys are like the uh, the Metallica friends I've never met. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. You know, like it's like I can tell these guys anything about Metallica. Well, every I've never met them. Pretty much every day and every show we get all sorts of fun stuff like that. We love it. You know, We love being a part and, of that. And then I was, and I was, and after hearing a lot of the stories about how fun it is to be around where one of the guys are, I was like, well, this will be a fun experience with mm-hmm. Rob right there. Oh yeah, um, and getting to see the inner workings of how Zach handles what Rob's doing, you know, right? Because it's you know, if you're really involved, like if you really are interested in what the show's like, as far as you know, the the, the detail stuff, it's fun to watch the techs. Absolutely, because, because those because those guys are really driving the ship, you know. What'd you think about the Jim Brewer stuff? Or actually, yeah, when did you when did you run into Sarah? Um, when I first got up there, I got on the rail, then uh, I think it, I guess I think her name is Claire from Australia comes up. So she, as she's up there and I figure out who she is and then and then you know, her arm reaches around me and taps on her shoulder and I look back and there's the yellow bandana. And I'm like, "Oh, there's Sarah." And I was like, "Uh, Sarah? Hi. Uh, I'm 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 the Prince of Keen guy, <laughs> you know. So we kind of chatted for a bit, and then she, I think she went back and watched from front of house. She didn't hang on the rail. 
Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, they kind of toggle sometimes. Yeah, and uh, so so they went back and they were in a different area, but I was with I was surrounded by like VIP experience ticket holders and black ticket holders. Right. So I'm like, just like this, the one oddball, you know, one of these things is not like the other, um, kind of guy. So, but it was, it was fun talking to people. It's like, Oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from California. Where are you from? I'm from Texas. You know, like you're, you're getting people's backstories and how many shows you've been to, you know, and then they're like, Oh, I've been to like 30 shows this year. How many have you been to? And I'm like, Oh, this is like, you know, this is number eight in my lifetime. <laughs> like, you know, like, like you kind of, you know, you kind of feel like they may kind of be like, Oh, well you're, you know, cause I've kind of experienced that with other bands. You don't go to as many shows. You're not a super fan, but in the Metallica world, it's not like that. Oh, cool. You've been to three shows. You know, cool. You're here. Welcome. You know, it's never been like a, like a contest to see who's seen the most shows. And that's really welcoming and awesome about the Metallica group. You know? Yeah. I think, I think anytime people are mentioning that, it's just more of like point of fact, you know, like, Oh, well, cause the thing is, if you have been to that many shows, be proud of it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I'm still under 10 with my total in 20 years, but then I don't feel as bad, you know, with some people kind of being, you know, our age and being like, well, this is my first show. Right. You know, so it's like, but it's like no shame in that. It's like, well, dude, welcome to the party. Totally. So what, what did you think about Jim Brewer? Jim, Jim, better than Tulsa. Yeah. Um, he, he had kind of changed some stuff up a little bit. There was some stuff that was the same kind of shtick. There were some stories that he did that were the same things that he had, he had done in Tulsa when I saw him uh, mm-hmm. back in January. But he kind of was doing some different stuff where he'd actually jump off the stage and go hang with the, the, the oldest guy in the crowd, um, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. um, he didn't do the trivia. Like, uh, like the two times I've seen it, he hasn't done the trivia. Yeah, he didn't do um, that with, at my shows either. I think he might be done doing that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because like, it's almost like he'll say we're doing trivia, that he never does it. Interesting. It's, it's a different vibe. And it's more so like I enjoyed it, but the people like there's people around you that either get like they like it or they don't. Yeah. Like there are some people that are kind of like, well, what the hell do you mean? There's a DJ and a comedian here. <laughs> right. Like, like, so it's almost and hearing that kind of reaction when you kind of know what's coming. You're kind of like, well, I, I knew about it like a year ago. <laughs> like, what do you do? You it know, is interesting just, to see the people that are just more. I mean, they're the normal ones. Let's face it. We're not the normal people. So, right. Yeah. They actually have lived normal lives and aren't obsessed with the band like we are. So they're, they're, yeah. they get to sort of be surprised by it all. They're not refreshing Twitter in the middle of the show to see what's coming up next on the set list. Yeah, my friend Matthew at the Birmingham show, he's like, what do you think they're going to open with? It's like, oh, you sweetie pie. You little cutie pie. And I was hearing that behind me too. Like a bunch of people that were like, this is my first show. Like, And they were kind of like, what do you think is going to happen when da 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 da? Do you think they're going to play this? And like, you kind of know what's going to happen. So you kind of want to be like, you're kind of smiling because you're like, I know. And this guy's going to get his mind blown. Like, like, dude, they are totally happens. opening with Sandman. You're going to be so stoked. <laughs> they were actually wanting to hear stuff from like Hardwired. Yeah, that well, and then you're kind of sitting there going like, well, they're in for a treat. So, you yeah. know, you knowing that the first three tunes are going to be Hardwired, Atlas, and Seek, how, and you've seen this show, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is your first time on the rail, right? Yeah, so basically at that point, it's like, I don't have anybody standing in my way. There's, you know, there's nobody really, you know, blocking my view, so I get to see the whole scope of it. And, and to where you talked about, like, where it's almost like, okay, phone's going in the pocket. I'm not really pulling it out. So there were, there were some times I, I would pull it out for a quick picture. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you really want to enjoy the moment you're in. Absolutely. Um, and, and really see what, what, what's going on. And, and really with me, like, knowing that that fourth song is a rotating slot 
getting through hardwired atlas and seek you're like what's song number four gonna be oh totally you know like because when you when you like when you know what's coming up on the set list you know there's gonna be that surprise you're like all right is it gonna be this or this or this and you know and in tulsa we got holier than now so i'm like awesome man what are are we gonna get in wichita and it was through the never which i'll take that i got to see that in little rock i mean that's one of my favorite tunes Dude, it's anything from the Black Album for me is yeah. big, just because that's the album I came on at. So. Right. But kind of knowing like how he was going to kick it off from seeing it on YouTube or whatever, you know, like when they post their official videos, and kind of knowing that little intro, it's like, oh, is it going to be through the Never? Going to be through the Never, and then they kick into it, and it's just like never in my life that I think I would see this song played live. And so you're just yeah, I felt the same way. I felt so lucky to see it. I'm glad they've kind of they played it a lot in Europe for some reason, but. It's it's definitely more rare over here. We're going to get to it here in a few minutes, but you guys definitely got one of the most exciting. I know it wasn't the debut, but you guys got one of the most exciting oh, set lists, man. wild cards of the whole tour. <laughs> Dude, those yeah yeah I know what you're talking about, and that was that was an awesome moment. The two word reaction to that, and I'll I'll tell you when we get to that point in the set list what my two word reaction was. So well, all right, well, so moving through the Unforgiven, and now that we're dead, these are these are just staples at this point for this tour. Yeah, and the Unforgiven, like, there was a point in time when. Uh, I remember like on the, on the 04 tour being like, man, I'd love to see the Unforgiven. And then it came in like after I'd seen my shows. And then so to like have it to where like now it's like, I've never seen the Unforgiven live and I've seen it on every show I've seen on this tour. I'm like, cool. I got my, I got, you know, I made up for some lost time with the Unforgiven. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And now that we're dead, it's kind of, you know, like when you've seen it a bunch and I think you guys have talked about it with the drum solo, when you've seen it, it's kind of, okay, cool. It's this again, but it's also fun to see people's reactions to it. Like when those drums come up and James is grabbing drumsticks and Kirk's grabbing drumsticks. Yeah, totally. So, so during that, I'd kind of look at the people around me and just look at, you know, almost like see their enjoyment when I was like, Oh man, this again. And I look around, it's like, you know, these guys haven't seen this. I've seen it three, you know, with the stadium included three times now. Yeah. They're, they're seeing it for the first time. I did do in Nashville. I it's the only time I did it, but I did do the the classic pee break during the drums. Yeah, man. I, I you know, and being on the rail, you can see a lot of that happening at certain points. Oh yeah, like you you, you see like oh no, oh, there's the pee pee break. You know, that person's heading up to get a beer and go to the bathroom. And <laughs> I just knew that. And here's another benefit of knowing the set list. I knew that creep was coming up next, and I did not want to be peeing during creeping death. Man, you know the thing is when when you hear. Lars counted in on that China for Creeping Death, man. You you know it's going to get, for the next five minutes, it's going to get pretty real. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, that song never, never stops being fun to watch. It's always a highlight of their set. At this point in the show, did you have any cool moments with James where he came up to kind of where Rob's area was? Not yet. There was there was a lot of Lars. I think he was making, I think he was making more like faces at the the roamers that were around me. Right. But Lars, Lars was like sticking his tongue out and making funny faces. Cause we were like right in front of his kid. Right. And then, uh, you know, Rob, anytime Rob would come down, he'd, he'd fist bump and slap fives. And, you know, he's got such a good vibe. Oh dude. He, yeah. So chill, you know? And, but yeah, he just, he would just make sure he take, he came and took time with people. He actually at one point came down and was like having a conversation with a kid, like a 10 year old kid. <laughs> oh, that's Rob. awesome. Like during the like, show. Like, like, yeah, during, during like where there was a break where James was, you know, doing one of his longer, you know, talking to the crowd, you know, vamp moments. And Rob just goes down real quick and talking to the kid and takes a selfie with him. And <laughs> I love that, dude. That's awesome. And, and it's cool to see that. 
because, you know, he doesn't have to do that. He could go sit over and, you know, hang behind a security guy and, and not be accessible, but he's still coming over and shaking hands and, and giving high fives and, you know, acknowledging people around him. Like he's not just hiding off, even though he's, you know, he could easily hide behind the crew if he wanted to, he, he just doesn't do it. But even Lars and everybody else too, like I, I didn't see Kirk on his side, but like you kind of see James kind of interacting with people, you know, you know, during moments when he's not on the stage and, and Lars was really good about coming and interacting with people and doing his, like, let me spit water in your mouth kind of weirdness. And <laughs> yeah, that's not one of my favorites, but I appreciate that people dig that. Whatever they want to do. That's cool. I, I, I think I'm good without Lars spitting in me and on me. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool no. without getting hepatitis <laughs> from Lars Ulrich. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, so for whom the bell tolls, that's also become kind of like they pair those two together. I think they've kind of cracked yeah. the code. Yeah, and then there's the weirdness with Lars slapping Robert with the towel. Yep, they bring uh, some of that locker room vibe to the to the arena. It reminds me of some of the silliness they had on the uh, the '92 tour that you see on live shit. You know. Yeah, there were some silly moments in there that you could tell were kind of the scripted moments, like you know, like you know where James is like, "Oh, bartender, bring me a drink" or whatever, and it's Jason bringing him up a beer, you know, right? Like those. It reminds me of a throwback to that, but it's still kind of odd to see Lars out there dancing with a towel and slapping Rob in the ass with it. It's, <laughs> it's just kind of odd. Yeah, you know, it's a but bit of a head scratcher. I get it, but and and then you know, like and, and as they're starting bells, you know, Kirk and. Robert are doing their cat and mouse and they're running off the stage and in front of the rail. It's fun. Did they co- actually, they did come down for this show. Sometimes they don't come down. Yeah, they ran down. They actually ran down the stairs right in front of where I was at. Cause I was right in front of the stairs and went to Rob's area. And then they ran through to where, uh, where Justin Kirk's tech would be and ran up that side. And so they did like a, about a half lap of the, of the stage and then came back up. So the next tune, so two, the two nights previously, in Lubbock, Texas, I guess, we got the debut of Here Comes Revenge. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, my phone blew up when that happened of all of our friends we've met in the Metal Podcast world. So I, I wouldn't have expected them to play it twice in a row, but you guys got Here Comes Revenge for the second time. Yeah, and when I heard like the first you know, few notes of it, my reaction was just a simple, holy shit, like a wide-eyed holy shit. I bet, I bet a lot <laughs> of the people who knew that song and had been following the tour felt the same way. Oh man, the hardcores around us, like you just hear that gasp of like, oh, like, you know, like almost like people looking at each other with smiles on their faces, the, you know, the, the people that are really into hardwired, man, it was, and that's another one of those moments where it's like, man, I just need to take this in because this is second time we're hearing it, you know, remember this moment, remember how it felt to see this because it's not something that a lot of people have been able to see yet. Yeah, well, I watched the. I haven't seen the Lubbock one. I, I heard that after they did the Lubbock one, they actually hugged each other. <laughs> like we did it, wow. we landed it. But I, I did watch the <laughs> one from your show, like a fan video. And dude, it looks tight. It looks great. I mean, they pulled it off, and it sounded tight. And honestly, like, uh, with you know, you kind of hear mixed reviews on how Lars is playing. Is you know, there's sometimes he's pretty sloppy, but for the most part, I mean, there were some moments where. There was a flub here and there, but for the most part, Lars was was pretty tight with his drumming in Wichita, like yeah. and 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 the hardwired stuff, especially like the newer songs, he was really tight on. Right. And so so to hear him be so tight on a song they played twice, I was like, good on you, dude. You know. <laughs> Other than like the rail, where the rail is going to be the diehards. Did did people in general seem to know the tune or enjoy the tune, even if they didn't know it? 
almost probably like a half and half. People were enjoying it. Half and half on knowing it, but I mean, like, it's almost like like if they if they have hardwired and they kind of skim through, you know, because everybody gets a copy of hardwired with their ticket, you know. So if you're only skimming through and listening to the radio singles, you know, you're not you're gonna you're gonna breeze past that. But right. But the you know, but then having people around me singing the song, you know, like there was there were people around me that were singing along with James. Awesome, the song. love that. So does that just segue right into the Doodles, or did they did they acknowledge that they were playing a new song, or what was their vibe about it going into the Doodles? They didn't really acknowledge it, and and I can't remember if James said something about it being from from Hardwired at the end of it. He may have. Okay. Um. But with the Doodle, you know, the same kind of thing. He'll kind of say something and be like, "Oh, here's my buddy Rob, and here's my good friend Kirk the Ripper," you know. And, mm-hmm. And I kind of knew what was coming because when you think of Kansas, there's only one band you could think of they're going to pay tribute to. Yeah, so it makes did, sense. And, and the Foo Fighters did it when the Foo Fighters played there as well. I mean, so it's kind of like, you know, you know it's coming, but it's still cool. Yeah, well, it's a great <laughs> song. It's a great band and a great song. And I, I see that you got Dire Z, which we got that in Nashville. That's pretty cool, too. Yeah, and I made sure I sang along with it. I sang Dear Mother, Dear Father Earth. Yeah, well, um, those are the yeah, correct lyrics, yeah. of course. Yeah. All right, so the we went on into Whiplash and Memory. What any any anecdotes from those two tracks? You know what I've noticed about Memory is because Whip, Whiplash, I mean, of course, it's going to get a great reaction. And all I can think of is like that scene in Live Shit, the guys running around like the floor of the arena. Oh, like, the circle pit. Yeah, yeah. And so you're kind of like, man, this crowd's too old to do that. I wonder if any guys, anybody, anybody here is going to try. <laughs> but just like thinking back to those moments of like, and a lot of this was like the flashbacks of like. I remember listening to this song when I was in middle school on a cassette tape and you know, my buddies and I just think of whiplash was the coolest thing. And here I am watching and James is like right to my right, yeah. you know, on, on, on the mic stand singing. I was like, dude's right there singing it. Kirk's right there doing the solo. This is, you know, just that crazy feeling of like you're in that moment. But then when they go into memory out of that, you know, is knowing the history of how people were kind of like, well, you know, reload sucks first three albums, four albums are where it's at, da, 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 da. but then hearing that crowd pop when memory comes on. And that's how it was in Tulsa too. As soon as like James starts doing memory remains, the crowd just pops. It explodes. Everybody's just super. They're just as excited for memory remains as they were for, for whiplash. Oh dude. I, I'm and, glad you framed it that way because I've been trying to say that. Like I think memory remains is, is a classic now. Oh, it, it, it definitely is. And I think it took that time for people to appreciate it in the scope of the career and not just in that moment of like, this isn't my Metallica anymore. Right. Like hearing it side by side of that stuff for so long and being like, you know, it does fit. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was, so two, you know, two times and, and to hear like the whole arena singing along. And I think the capacity on that was like, it was right under 16,000 is what they had in there. Awesome. And hearing 16,000 people sing the, the Marianne Faithful part back. And, and Kirk's got that grin on his face. Like he's looking out and he's just like, like it's like, it's like it never gets old to Kirk. Yeah, totally. Kirk's just like he's, he's lost in his guitar and he looks up and he's like, oh, there's 15,000 people here singing, singing my guitar part. And he's just like, gets that big smile on his face and starts nodding his head, you know? Well, we've got, we've got a few, you know, the guy I play for, Rodney, we've got a few songs that are really big hits for a lot of people. It's not 16,000, but I don't ever get tired of seeing people. We have the song called Watching You. He wrote about his son and, I never get tired of seeing people sing that song ever. Dude, that, um, funny thing about that is, uh, first time I saw Rodney, um, it was like 2008, mm-hmm. and he came out on the thrust. He was opening for Brad Paisley. Mm-hmm. He was out on the thrust, and he had his headset mic on, like yeah. similar to Garth Brooks. Yep. 
and he's and he's playing his guitar and he's singing it and I'm singing along to it and he just looks at me and just chucks a pick right to me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's funny. Yeah, we're big on th- we throw we throw a million picks out a show. We love that. Not as many as Metallica. We don't have solo cups full of them, but yeah, you don't do different cities on each one. No, they just say Rodney Atkins. It's pretty simple. <laughs> I have a bunch of pics of my face on them that I throw out too. You should throw some pictures, some pics out with somebody else's face on them. That'd be kind of. Funny. I'm just gonna start throwing out Metallica pics that I've gotten from all these damn shows. <laughs> Dude, I've got I've got a stack of Wichita pics from the other night. So that's fun. So you hung around the rail and got some. Yeah, yeah, I ended up getting some, and uh, um, I actually ended up getting one from Europe too. Like oh, a random... cool. Yeah, they've been mixing in older ones. I've noticed that. Yeah, it was from. Uh, 2017 in Copenhagen. Nice. Think? But yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna, they're going to get an email about me mispronouncing the city name. So you're welcome. I'll just forward <laughs> it. I'll forward it to you. Yeah, you know the email address. You can yeah send it on my way. Yeah, well, let's just let everyone know. It's Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. If you can send any questions and concerns and complaints, and I'm going to forward them all to Joey. So yeah. Uh, anything to say about the, the rapid fire for barn burner slot, moth into sad, into one, into puppets? Man, you know, it's the reaction people have when they see the, the drones for the first time is still yeah just amazing. Like to hear that, like when they're seeing the drones fly around and they're just like, whoa, look at that. Look at like they're just amazed by the drones. And even the visual, like it, you know, seeing it more than once, it's it's cool. I'm going to miss it. I, I hope that I hope that when they whatever they do next, I hope they incorporate some of that kind of technology into the show. Well, it's, it's cool to see them not kind of be that band that we're an older band. Let's not put technology and they still try to keep their stage show as fresh and current as possible. Yeah. Their lighting director actually told me, he's like, that's a big, that like the drones were James's idea. And that, you know, James is very, his feeling is like, no one wants to see a bunch of old dudes play music on a stage. He really wants the show to be visually stimulating too. Although I would go watch them in a club with nothing, but I think it's so cool that at, at any moment you can look up at the cubes, you can look at things like the drones, the lights are bitching. Of course, the band is fun to watch and the music's great. It's a great experience. Well, and, and sad but true, like that's and that's one you know. You know, think about the, the the punch into that. Oh yeah. You know that's you know James comes out and he picks some kid out in the crowd. Hey, you know how old are you? Did your dad ring you? And you know so he's you know, the kid he picks is the same ten year old that Rob was talking to. Oh cool. And so so that kid's getting like he's right in front of James, getting that moment of, you know. James is James is seeing me and recognizing, you know, that I'm here and, and they go into sad but true and it's like that sludgy, like slow beginning, you know, Lars counts it out so slow. As and as much as I've heard that song, my favorite place to hear it is in a live setting. Oh, big time. It's just it's just so big. Like you know, those 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 songs on the black album were really crafted for an arena stage. And you hear it like when you hear Sad But True. Like And it seems like they're playing it a little slower. It feels a little heavier. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, which is you know kind of funny because Bob Rock had him slow it down because yeah. it was too fast, yep. and then they slowed it down even more from where Bob Rock had them slow it down to. Maybe in twenty twenty five we'll get the Doom version of it. <laughs> It'll be fifty minutes long, almost like a like a jam band version of it at that point, right? Yeah, but they just play the one song, and people will follow them all again through Europe and America. Uh, <laughs> Were you? Do you keep up with the set list enough to know, like, when you get to this rotating thrash slot? Did you kind of have an idea of what it might be, or were you surprised? Um, on on the encore or uh, yeah, with fight fire. 
Because that's a huge treat. I st- I've still never seen that song live. Yeah, I, I kind of knew. Like, I knew it was mostly gravitating towards uh, Blackened and, uh, like, uh, Battery. And then Fire, you know, Fire, Fire and Spit would kind of come in there. And it's actually weird. I, I've seen, like, out of the thrash stuff like that, I've seen Fight Fire with Fire the most. Wow. <laughs> so it's, like, it's, it's still a treat to see. But at the same time, it's like, man, I'm pretty lucky to have seen, I think, maybe four, four of my shows. So they did I've Fight seen? Fire in Tulsa? Uh, no, I saw him do it in Denver. Okay. And then I saw him do it in uh, Kansas City in 98 and in Wichita in 04. Wow. So, and yeah, they did Blackened in, in Tulsa. Okay, cool. But I've, I've been lucky enough, you know, out of, out of the eight shows to see about half of them have had Fight Fire with Fire. Wow. And so, so, so to hear somebody go, I've never seen it, I was like, man, you just need to come to the shows I go to because <laughs> I see it a lot. That's like <laughs> the one I'm chasing, dude. That's like the one I haven't seen. Oh, I haven't seen... I haven't seen Lightning either. I want to see Lightning. Oh, so I saw that in Kansas City in 08. Damn it. Yeah. And they went they went from Lightning right into Harvester. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was that was a good set list. That's exciting. And it was on Death Magnetic, so they had the you know, the moving coffins and things like that. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, it was that was a pretty and that was like the like the third show of the tour, so it was really before they got really into rotating it up. But like just, just to see like to hear those opening notes of "Ride the Lightning," you're just like, you know, is this really happening? Like that moment of like when you're hearing the song, you're like, am I really watching Kirk Hammett play the opening licks or "Ride the Lightning" right in front of you? Dude, that was kind of like in Birmingham when Dream No More. So we we could see the back of James's guitar, and the back of his snake bites are all black, or at least the black whatever. It just looked black, and Ethan goes. Oh, I wonder what he plays on a black snake bite. And it's just, it's like a movie. It's like me pondering and I'm like, I don't think he plays a black snake bite. And then seeing it seeing a little glimpse of purple, it was like an Indiana Jones movie. It's like, oh shit, dude. I believe this is Dream No More. You know, like then there's surreal. You're like, wow, we're gonna get we're getting Dream No More. They're actually playing it right now. Why am I talking to you about it? Let's <laughs> we should be <laughs> watching. Focus on, yeah. yeah. Focus on it and you know, and then and, and after, you know, after the thrash slot, you know, like like when you get that treat of that thrash song and everybody's happy to see something old school, you know, it really does bridge well into the, the mandatory, you know, crowd pleasers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. You know, like, cause like, and as, and as much as like, you know, I've seen people kind of be like, Oh, I don't want to see nothing else matters anymore. There's just something special about seeing them play it. Oh dude. Like, yeah. like dude, James, James rips on that dude. Like, like almost 30 years later. And that's still like, a very sentimental piece of the Metallica history. Absolutely. If you're leaving during nothing else matters, I mean, it's your own world, do whatever you want, but you're missing out on some, a magic. You're missing out on magic. And, and that moment where he switched, you know, he has the city pick and he switches it around the video screen and hearing the crowd just go nuts because yeah, it's, you know, well that Metallica pick has the M and then my city's underneath it. It's brilliant. Like, Like hearing that, like, and that's just like a simple move. Yeah. Into the camera. But it's a big moment for the show. Well, what? Yeah, he's tying the band into that city and making it personal, and it's that's genius, I think. And not in a like, oh, they're genius, not in a shitty way. Like it's genius, and how do we take a band this big and still microscopically make it connect to these people, to every person here? We'll put the city on the pick and make a moment where we put it on the jumbo screen, put it on all the cubes. You know, it's awesome. Well, and and then they. I don't know if you noticed this um, at the shows you went to, but they also, uh, during the thrash slot, they put the city flag on on the cubes. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
So like you're seeing like, you know, like in Kansas, you're seeing the Kansas State flag with a Metallica ninja star on it. Right. <laughs> it's like that's And then they also did a Wizard of Oz intro video hmm. where they're like Dorothy Fall and it's on their Instagram. OK, cool. I'll have to check that out. And so it's like everybody's like just flipping out because it's Dorothy and, you know, afraid of insanity. And and then it goes right into, you know, the intro it goes right into. Long way to the top. And the people that have not been there before don't know what long way to the top means. And they're kind of like, when are they coming out? You're like, just wait a second. <laughs> that moment where you're like, it's all good. It's all good. There's so many good opportunities to like take in the crowd when you know what's coming and they don't. That's what's so fun about seeing multiple shows. Are you going to see any more? Uh, Kansas City. Can- Kansas City set list. Holy crap. Honestly, I don't even know what it was. Don't even tell me. I haven't even looked yet. I, I'm not going to tell you, dude. But like I'm telling you, the third, the third slot, awesome. Um, the thrash slot, awesome. Okay. And a couple, and a couple other surprises in there too. Awesome. I, so, I literally like, don't even know. I had three songs I wanted to see. All three of them got played, and then there was a bonus treat, like what? the icing on the cake. Oh yeah. So you're not going to do Louisville or Indianapolis or Grand Rapids? No, I'm all tapped out for the tour. Like I, I did my. Uh, my regional shows and I did Denver a couple of years ago. That's it for me. So. Any, any sort of final analysis, final takeaway that, so, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I've kind of, I've kind of made my peace with the world wired tour. What are your thoughts having seen everything you're going to see, man? You know, the thing is, and, and you guys have touched on it, seeing Sam just a testament to their success and a testament to why everybody has bought a ticket. Yeah. You know, even, even the people that are like the curmudgeon guys that are like, Oh man, inner Sandman are jumping up and down, singing along like the, 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 the energy when Sandman comes on, is just infectious. Yeah. So it's awesome. Well, dude, thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know you're in between meetings. You're letting us hear about your Metallica story. You got us the Akeem dolls. Thank you for being a part of what's cool about the show, dude. What can I say? I really yeah. appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thanks. And thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on, man. Like it really was special to do the, the recap on Wichita, <laughs> which, you know, see Metallica and Wichita is a special thing for me. And to be able to, to share the story really, really is a special thing. Yeah. So. That's awesome, dude. Thank you so much. And, uh, with that, I guess we'll say peace. All right, man. Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more! After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows or you just saw a regular ass show in North Dakota somewhere. We want to hear from you. Since Ethan and I started Metal Up Your Podcast, we wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories. Well, this is it. To make yourself eligible for a future or past Metal Tales episode, please consider joining us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you not only get to come on the show as a guest, you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.
Thank you.